All right, we're going to be in our Bibles this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as you hopefully are pulling that out and turning to that as we go through uh, several verses in that chapter, uh, let me just ask you this question. Why is it that some people make it and some people don't? It's rhetorical. You don't have to answer, but just kind of kind of think about that. Take two people, for example, two athletes of equal physical ability, and they both accept a football scholarship, and one goes on to play in the NFL the other one gets kicked off the team and doesn't, like, doesn't make the cut, and, and they never realize their football dreams. Why, why does that happen? Or two entrepreneurs with equal assets, and they've got two great ideas. One develops a business that makes millions while the other goes bankrupt. Why, why, does, that, why does that happen? Or take two couples with similar backgrounds, and 30 years later, one couple is happily married. They've got grandkids. Everything's great. The other couple isn't married any longer. I know two brothers who grew up in the same difficult family situation, and one has been thriving for years, and the other has been struggling for years. So why is that? Why does that, why does that happen? Is it just luck? Is it just coincidence? Is it just circumstance? What, what is it? All, all of us have, have had moments in our life where we've seen other people trying to do what we're trying to do. You know, we're like, hey, I'd, I'd like to be there at some point, and then it doesn't work out. Like somewhere along the lines, things fall apart. Whatever obstacles come along, it doesn't happen. And we can look at that sometimes and think, man, I, I don't, like, maybe that thing is impossible. Maybe it kind of hurts our confidence a little bit because we think, well, if this, this person can't do it or if they, they can't make it, like, what, what happens there? Why does this other person, why are they able to make this happen when this person can't? Because I expected something, something to do. And so how do we build our confidence in those moments to, per, you know, pursue what God has called us to pursue and do in our lives? There, there are a lot of, you know, let's answer the question, why does that happen? There's so many different things that go into this, so many different circumstances, uh, so many contributing factors working to determine what happens in somebody's life. Their personality traits, their circumstances, things that are in their control, things that are out of their control, all kinds of things uh, that happen. As much as we might focus on the end results of, of what's going on, there's something that happens much earlier in the process that matters to why people come to certain, you know, ends or conclusions in their life and why other people don't. And we've been talking about different attributes that we put into practice as followers of Jesus that we find within Scripture that help us to be confident in those moments. We've talked about humility and we've talked about authenticity, and so we're building upon those foundations as we go. One of the things, one of the biggest different makers, difference makers in why some people make it and some people don't is persistence. And persistence, when we talk about persistence, we're just talking about not giving up and not giving in. The people who really achieve many times, and again, I get it, the caveats there, there's so many different things that can be a part of this, but many times it's just, they just don't quit. They just keep, keep going. They don't quit as easily. They're not as easily intimidated by obstacles. Maybe even they see obstacles as opportunities. Over the course of time, even in times of failure, like you're trying and you're failing, you're trying and you're failing, they don't give up in those moments and they gain confidence as a result, result of that and bouncing back from failure makes someone less fearful and more self-assured or more self-confident. Are there times when we make a changes and adjustments and we move on from things? Of, of course, like those moments exist. One of the really important things that we learn from the gospel is that failure, failure is not the end for us and the benefits we measure from persistence are not measured in days or months or years, but they are measured in the scope of eternity. And so our text this morning is going to be centered around 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 
verse 16, and Paul writes this. He says, therefore, and the, we've been talking about what comes before the therefore the last couple, couple weeks through this text. And he says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Maybe you underline that uh, this morning and, and memorize that this, this week. Though outwardly, Paul says, we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And I know for a fact that as, as we are preaching through this text and we're talking about these things, I, I know that some of us are struggling in this moment, and we're struggling to not lose heart. We're struggling to persist in some of the things that, that we're doing, the things that God has called us to do. I know I'm speaking to all of us who have friends who are struggling, who are dealing with things, uncertain times, that they're not really sure how to keep going in the midst of what they're struggling through in, in their lives. And so Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, as Paul continues on, verses 8 through 9, uh, Paul says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. And Paul has a license to be able to talk about this because in his life he's experienced all of, of these things as he lists these through. Paul has been through so much in his ministry and through his life. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's been thrown into prison and he later converts the jailer who is in charge of him. He's dragged into a courtroom in Caesarea, and he ends up turning the witness stand into a pulpit. He was shipwrecked and stranded on the island of Malta, and yet he wins the chief official over to the Lord. He's thrown into a Roman jail, which he emerges from months later, having much of the New Testament written in his hands. Paul got up every time he was knocked down, so he knew exactly what it was like to be in these moments of struggling and yet persisting through that and things working out exactly the way that God wanted them to. And it is so important, especially in times of uncertainty, especially in these days, but we would say that throughout all of human history, for followers of Jesus to develop an attitude of persistence because it's not something that we find in great quantities in our culture today. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16 reads, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. And that's because it matters what kind of foundation we are building from when we are struggling to get back up again. Some of you here today, I know for a fact, have stumbled and fallen big time as followers of Jesus. I know that because one of them is right here. Like I, I, I know there's at least one in the room this, this morning. And sometimes we are tempted because of that to throw in the towel. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm not worthy for this. I'm not, I'm not good enough for this. I just can't do it. You know, I've tried on my own strength. I can't make it. And it's easy to, to be tempted to give up and quit in those moments. But most of the time, people, people are right at the edge of quitting too early. They're right at the edge of where they need to be. They're almost there, and they just quit too soon right before the finish line. So close to where we need to go, but... Sometimes the path of least resistance wins out. Uh, let, let me be a nerd for just a minute, uh, a little bit of a geek. I'm more of a geek than a nerd. I, there's, there's differences there, and it matters, okay? So just, just so you know. Um, some of you have read the book, The Hobbit, or maybe you've seen, seen the movie, and there's this, there's this time in, in this journey that the dwarves and Bilbo, who's the Hobbit, are going on where they are in this forest called Mirkwood, and it's really, y'all stop laughing back there. I, I know C.S. Lewis didn't write The Hobbit. I, I know. That's, that's, a whole, that's a joke from like a year ago. Um, you'll have to find that sermon some other time. Um, so they're traveling through Mirkwood, very dangerous forest, 
And they're told one thing. The one thing you need to do as you travel through the forest, the, 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 the most important thing, no matter what happens, is stay on the road. Like, that's what you've got to do. Just stay on the road. Stay on the forest road, you'll make it through. That's the one thing you need to do. So as they're going through, stuff happens, difficult things come along, obstacles come up, and, and they're trying to, to get through, and they just don't feel like they can make it. And we come to find out that they leave the forest road right before they were coming to the edge of the forest. And, and all kinds of crazy things happen as a, as a result of that. Bad things happen, and, and things work out in the end. We know because we've seen the movie. Um, but, but they were right there on the edge, and they missed it because they quit. They quit right before they reached the other side. They were, they were on the right road, but they had lost their heart right before they made it. It's like, I know they, were they told us to be on the right road, but it seems, it seems too hard to do this, so we need to find something else to do. We need to go this different way. It's interesting how we use that word, but. Because a lot of times we've gotten really good at using it to introduce something negative, some kind of negative thought in our, in our thinking. It's a nice day out today. It's gorgeous, but it's probably going to get hot again tomorrow. I like the music, but, you know, music, oh, it's too loud. Uh, I believe in God, but I can't believe God is making this thing happen in my life. And yet you read through Scripture, you, particularly the New Testament, and a lot of times the word but is used to introduce not a negative thought or negative reality, but a positive one instead. The church was persecuted, but those who were scattered abroad went around preaching the word of God, and people were saved. John was beheaded, but the word of God increased. Paul was in prison, but... The church was earnestly praying for him, and there was growth in the church as a result of that persecution. In the world, we are told, you are going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world, is what Jesus says. And so Paul says in verses 8 and 9, we are hard-pressed, but we're not crushed. So yes, life can put the squeeze on us, but no, it can't break us. Perplexed, yes, but we're not in despair. So sometimes we don't know what to do, but that's fine. It doesn't put us in a place where we can't function. We're persecuted, but we're not abandoned. So yeah, there are sometimes living the Christian life where things are not going to be happy-go-lucky all the time, particularly because we are following Jesus in our life. However, that does not mean that Jesus has left us alone. And yes, sometimes we are struck down, we're knocked to the pavement, but we're not destroyed, and we can absolutely get back up. And so Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. The mistake that many people make in quitting too early is that they are so focused on the result that they feel like they cannot achieve in the moment that they miss that the commitment that we make in our persistence is not to the result, but it is to the process. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, Paul writes this, We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And so Paul is writing this. He's saying, hey, our physical sufferings, the things that we go for the life that, through our life, those are not the indicators of what result is being produced in our life. The, the indicators of what's being produced in our life is our faithfulness, our obedience to who Jesus has called us to be, and what God enables us to do. And so as Paul is saying this, he's saying, hey, 
like I'm expendable in this moment. Yes, I've, I've been beaten down. I've been shipwrecked. Like all these things, I've been thrown in jail. Um, people want to kill me for the preaching that I've done, the ministry that, that I've been a part of. And yet, like that doesn't matter. My life is expendable as long as it gives the example of the life that you can have through Jesus. He wasn't nearly as concerned about whether or not he was around to enjoy the fruit of his labor, the result, as much as he was confident that persistence in what God had called him to do is what was most valuable in his life. And there are a lot of different examples of that happening through all kinds of Christian leaders throughout the New Testament. But let me give you one example from Paul. And this is from Acts chapter 19, if you want to flip over there. Acts 19, Paul is traveling around on his missionary journeys. He gets to the city of Ephesus, and he um, basically starts preaching, and, and people, uh, people convert it. Um, and as a result, the makers of little souvenir idols were threatened. They're like, hey, he's going to ruin our business because people aren't going to buy our idols anymore. So it's for Artemis um, or as the Romans call her, Diana um, of the Ephesians, the goddess. And so they were threatened. And those who manufactured and sold the idols stirred up the people in Ephesus against Paul and Christians and started a riot in the city. And so the Bible says they ran, uh, all they ran, uh, they ran to the theater and they started shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians, or great is Diana of the Ephesians, because of the Romans. And many people didn't even know why they were there. They, were just, they just knew, hey, we're, we're shouting, we're angry, like that's how riots are, right? We just want to break stuff. Um, so, so you just think about that. You've got these thousands upon thousands of people. They're angry, they're ticked. Um, what, what they want to see somebody hurt, you know, because of, because of their anger. And Paul's reaction, he sees all of this, and he says, he doesn't say, I probably should leave. He says, man, this would be a great opportunity to preach. Like, I, I would love to go out. Can you imagine, like, going into, I, I don't know, uh, the Richmond Convention Center being full of people who are angry at you? And you're like, you know what really needs to happen here? I need to go out on stage, and I, I need to talk to them because that's what they want. In Acts chapter 19, Luke writes, Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. And yet Paul was willing to face that hostile crowd. So, you know, the result of what might happen to his life is not exactly what he was focused on. It was the process of him being a disciple of Jesus that he cared about. It didn't matter. He was, hey, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beat. You know, I've been stoned to death. I've been imprisoned. Uh, because he loved the Lord more than his own life. He loved what God was doing in him more than what he might get out of things, that he was persistent in wanting to preach the gospel. Paul felt like if he could just convince one other person that Jesus was the Messiah, it would be worth whatever the cost, and so he never quit. He always got back up. And so when we think about that in terms of the things that Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we just, just read, um, when we think about the, the way that he lived his life because of what Jesus had done for him, it, it, thinks, it causes us to think about what we're willing to be persistent in and never give up on and never quit on. Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so it causes us to think about what is the most important thing that we never quit on in our life. Because then that becomes primary. Because that becomes worth more than even our life itself is. And so we, we, we think about things like, do we love the Lord so much that we would be willing to give our life to advance his kingdom? 
Like if our government tomorrow said it's illegal to be a part of a church anymore, like if you were a part of an assembly together um, at, at any point, like would you still gather? Would you still show up? There are some Christians that that is the reality for them every week in the countries that they live in. Uh, would you say that, hey, I'm willing to die so that Christ might live in me and so that he might live in someone else? I, I get that most of us aren't called to be martyrs, but the relevant question is, is your devotion to Christ greater than your devotion to any other single result in life? Do you love the Lord, for example, more than a relationship? If you're involved in a relationship that you know that is not God-honoring, would you sacrifice that for him? Do you love God more than America? <laughs> if you felt God called by God to go to another country and leave the comforts of home, like would, would you go do that? Do you love God more than the pleasures of this life? Do you put him ahead of ball games or relaxing weekends or picnics or golf? I know it's hard sometimes, right? The things that we... We face and decisions that we have to make to be persistent in our pursuit of God. Is he an all-consuming passion or is God just really a weekend tradition? I mean, this is the difference maker when it comes to the persistence that we are called to as disciples of Jesus. That we can be confident that our life is pointed to something that doesn't just matter for a day or a year or a month or, I know I got that backwards, or even a lifetime but a life that matters for an eternity. And so if we're going to persevere in life, our life has to be pointed to something that is greater and sustained by something greater than us and the results that we want sometimes. Um, if we're going to persevere in the Christian life, our allegiance to Christ has to supersede everything else, even the little small daily things. If we love the Lord more than life in self, then we won't lose heart because there is nothing in this life that can undercut the life that God provides to us through Jesus. So persistence is simply living out what we say that we believe. So when we make certain confessions as followers of Jesus and disciples of Jesus, yeah, I believe in God. Yes, I believe that Jesus saved me. Then, then living that out then is, is a part of us being persistent in our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through, 13 through 14, Paul writes, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. There are certain spiritual claims that the Apostle Paul believed were factual and at the core of his being and what kept him going. And is why we still are here as the church today. Because Christians have believed this and they've stayed true to this throughout centuries. Paul believed with all of his heart that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised one of God. He believed that Jesus died an atoning death, that he had been raised from the dead as proof that he was the Son of God. And Paul believed that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead would one day resurrect him from the grave and reunite him with his fellow believers. And Paul believed his life had an eternal purpose. And so he writes in verse 15, All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And that belief continues to keep a lot of us going today. This is the thing that we come back to, that is a comfort for us that we persist through no matter what uncertainty is happening in our life. Paul knew what he believed about Jesus, and he knew why, and he put it into practice. 
As Christians, we need to know what we believe and why, down deep to the core. Otherwise, we can be driven and tossed by the waves of whatever else is happening outside of our relationship with God. Christianity begins with certain facts that we believe we have faith in, in our minds, and then we act that faith out. And it's after that, that's when we experience the joy that God created us for. And so do we really believe what we say we believe? Do we believe it strongly enough that we, we will persevere through that even when life seems to be unraveling? I believe that Jesus is the Christ. I believe that the Bible is true. I believe that God is good and just, that he's going to work things out to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which is disciples of Jesus, all of us. He's going to make everything right someday. I believe this. And Paul says, because of this, I don't lose heart. I can persevere through anything. Of course, we still want to see results, right? I mean, that, that, that's an encouragement to us. And the Bible talks about results of a disciple's life. They just aren't limited to what we see and achieve through our own lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18, Paul says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Have you, um, you ever watched a college basketball game or even, in, even a professional basketball game where a player uh, oftentimes on the visiting team is trying to make a free throw and what happens behind the basket because their seat's behind that, you know, the, the backboard is clear. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, you know, people get into that, all right? So free throw is worth one point, but man, you know, if, if you are sitting there and it's the opposing team shooting, you don't want them to get that one point. I mean, that could be the difference between the game. And so you do whatever you can to distract them. Sometimes it's posters, sometimes it's pictures, sometimes you dress up, you know, do all kinds of things. I mean, you're waving your hands, you're making a bunch of noise. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Like one of the classic things is the lift the shirt. You, you've, you've seen that? Like that's the one that gets Renee every time. So that's when she's shooting free throws. Like that's, that's, that's how I distract her. Um, and, and if... We good? Okay. Uh, if that player is going to make that free throw, what have they got to do? They they got to focus on what they've called. Uh, they've got to focus on the rim. Like they can't focus on anything else. You can't look over to the side. You know the crazy people who are writing you know messages, all that kind of stuff. You got a bl big blown up picture of their face or something like that. You you can't focus on all the things that are trying to keep you from from that goal. Now our goal is to live on earth as it is in heaven. We did a sermon series called Kingdom Come. I encourage you to check that out if, if you're not sure exactly what that means. And to bring along as many people as we can with us. And, and the devil, evil, exists within our world. And, and the devil is going to do everything he can to distract us from focusing on that goal. And, and anything that is not God-honoring is going to do everything that it can to distract us from, from, from that goal. And so the, the devil attempts to divert us through all kinds of things. Sometimes it's our personal problems. Sometimes it's other circumstances in the world. Sometimes it's, you know, it's business pressure. It's financial pressure. Um, whatever it is, you know, it's relational problems within, within our family that sometimes pull us away from being persistent from the, the goal that God has called us to, that he's, he's sustained in us through his Holy Spirit. And, and as a result, you could throw up your hands and say, I, you know, I just, I just can't do this. 
you know, you imagine that basketball player just saying, you know, I, I'm just not going to shoot the free throw. I'm just going to leave it here. I'm just going to put the ball down and, and walk away. And unfortunately, that, I mean, sometimes that is what we do. I mean, it's just, it's just like that. Because we're so distracted by everything else that we just can't possibly focus on the rim. You know, focus, focus on the goal. And yet Paul says, it's, it's not a result that I can necessarily even see or touch or achieve on my own. Like, those are, those are things, those are temporal things. Those are things here in this world. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm worried about. He said, I'm worried about on things that are, that, are, that are far beyond anything that I can hope or dream or imagine that God sustains and causes and promises for us in this life. And so persistent focus on eternal results, that's what gives us the confidence that is beyond just temporary achievements. And so maybe, maybe you aren't the millionaire entrepreneur, or maybe you aren't the person who made it to the pros, or maybe you're the person who, you know, can't look back and say, you know, yeah, I have a 30-year, you know, happy marriage and, and grandkids and, and, and those kinds of things. Maybe you're the brother who is not thriving. You're the, you're the brother that's, that's, barely, that's barely surviving because of your family circumstances. You know, that, that is not the end of the story. And so you can persist. You've been knocked down, um, but you haven't been destroyed. You, you can get back up because there's something greater at work within you than what is in the world. And we can come in, keep coming back to that when we keep this as our perspective, that there's an, an eternal result that God sustains in us that is far greater than any temporary result that we might have in this world. Your life is not going to always be the way that you fantasize. And I'm sorry if I'm the first person who has ever told you that. But we can be confident that our life will be better than we ever hoped for when we are persistent about that which lasts. Though the world will throw many seemingly unavoidable obstacles our way, we do not lose heart because Christ's power overcomes and lives in us. One of the ways we do this we recognize is that we're, we're, we're not alone in these things. That when we struggle and we were tempted to quit and throw in the towel, those are the moments when the Holy Spirit is letting us know, hey, you need to do this alongside of someone else. You need to get together with a godly um, follower of Jesus, and, and you need to let them know what's going on, and you need to let, let them know how you're struggling and what, what's going on in your, in your life in this area. Uh, because we are meant to do this together. One of our rules is that no one stands alone. Let me tell you, people choose to stand alone all the time. And so when we say that, we don't say that to say, like, we're going to make sure that, you know, we can make you not stand alone. It's like, I can't force anybody to not stand alone. But what we're saying is, we're the type of people that you can stand with, that will stand alongside of you, that will come alongside of you, that whatever you have going on in your life, like, we're, we're there to lend you our strength in those moments, and vice versa. And that's the type of people that we are called to be in Christ, that we can be persistent because we know there's something greater going on here than the temporary things of this world. Maybe, uh, maybe you don't feel competent that you can manage the things that happen in your life. It's not meant to be handled under your own strength. Um, God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear with him. It will be beyond what we can bear when we try to go it alone. And consistency with who God has called us to be is what develops the competency that we need to be persistent in this life. Spend some time this week, let me encourage you, spend some time this week in prayer about something maybe you've set aside, maybe something you've given up on, 
Uh, maybe it's a project you started and, and didn't finish. I've got a bathroom remodel that I know like I need to keep I need to keep pressing on because eventually that's that's going to be bad, right? If I if I don't finish that. Maybe something you put put aside. Maybe um maybe something like that. Maybe it's a conversation that needs to be had, maybe some personal growth uh, that you know that you need in your life that you've been putting off, you've got a lot of excuses for. Um, maybe it's simply knowing that there are opportunities to do the good work that God has created you to do, and you haven't taken up that opportunity uh, to do that. We mentioned earlier um, you know, serving within, within a children's ministry at, at the church. I mean, there's, there's a great opportunity right there uh, to be able to do that. And, and let me encourage you to, as you pray for that, Pray, pray to God um, for wisdom in what that thing is that he is calling you to maybe take, take back up. Or maybe something that you've put off and never done. He's like, hey, it, it's time. It, it's time for you to persist in these things that matter in, in your life. Maybe for you, um, maybe it's finally saying yes. Yes to say, hey, Jesus, I'm, I'm saying yes, I'm all in. And, and I'm going to make the commitment to the process that you've called me to as a, as a disciple of Jesus. Maybe it's, it's to be baptized and, and say, hey, I'm ready to start this journey of faith because I'm, I want a confidence that is not built and, re, and relies on things of this world that are so shaky. Um, one of the things that has always not sat well with me in sports, and this is from a playing standpoint and a coaching standpoint, uh, is giving up on a play. And some of you know what I mean when I say this, but it, what it, what it, where it really bothers me is when you have one player on the team that makes this amazing hustle play. Like maybe it's a diving you know, save in basketball on the sideline you know, to, to save a ball and bring it back in, into the court. Maybe, it, I, you know, whatever it is. And somebody makes this amazing hustle play, and when you look back and look around, nobody else on the team has moved. Like, I mean, not a, they're just kind of watching. And maybe they're just amazed at the you know, athletic prowess of, the, of this other person. But no, it, it's just this idea of, oh, you know, uh, it's the likelihood of them saving that ball or something like that. It's probably not going to happen, so I'll just kind of hang out. It's easier just kind of staying here. No, w- one, of the things, one of the things coaching volleyball that I always, um, one of the drills that we did almost all the time was uh, when someone else on the team is chasing a ball down, let's say it's a shanked pass, it's going way over there, somebody else on the team is chasing after that ball to get it back in play, there's got to be somebody else following that person. Because nine times out of ten, somebody actually gets to the ball, they pop it straight up, and then there's nobody there to pass it back over the net. And, and that, uh, that always bothered it. It, it always... <laughs> it, it, um, you know, you just stand, stand there watching. It's like, well, you can do that for the bench. You know, you, know um, you can do that from the stands. But if you're on the court, like, get, get in the game. You want different results and a better outcome, you've got you to gotta get in the game. You've got to be persistent. Most people quit way too soon. And as followers of Jesus, we've got a confident hope that gives us a reason to be persistent because we are achieving an eternal glory with God that far surpasses anything else in this life. So hang in there. Get, get back up. And don't do it alone. Tell somebody. Let them walk alongside you. Let them help you pick you up. Don't, don't quit too early. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's your marriage. You know, maybe, um, maybe your spouse doesn't even know it and you've, you've quit on them. Don't, don't give up. Maybe it's your kids. Man, don't, don't, don't give up. Whatever, whatever's going on. Maybe it's... Uh, maybe somebody in your workplace, maybe it's a family member, um, 
You know, maybe, maybe you're under financial pressure. I, I, you know, whatever it is, um, don't, don't give up. Don't give up. You can persist through that. Jesus loves you. He cares for you. No matter how deep the despair you know, may seem, the hope that God provides is, is greater. It is. No matter how dark it may seem, God's light is brighter. And God, through his Holy Spirit, he wants you to keep going, and he wants to empower you to do that in your life. You are too valuable and too precious to him for him to allow you to quit and to not, not be in the game. He died for you. God prepared a way for you. And he wants to sustain that in you. You, uh, you and I have received the amazing gift of his own son, and we have been bought with the blood of Jesus. Um, and that is an incredible thing. So may we persist, not, not in the things of this world, not in the, you know, wow, well, I'm not a millionaire yet, so I need to give up. Yeah, fine, give up on that. That's fine. And nobody cares about that. Um, but you, you are far more valuable than the, those types of results. Um, God, God, uh, God wants to be with you and with me for an eternity because of how valuable he sees us and how valuable we are to each other and how valuable we are to him. And so be persistent. Continue pursuing God. Um, be persistent in the eternal things and be confident that God is there for you and with you every step of the way. Let's pray. God, um, being tempted to give up uh, it, it's just it's just something we're going to face. If we're, if we're not facing it right now, we will face it down the road. Um, if, if we aren't facing it down the road, we're going to know people who are. God, help us to recognize where strength comes from, how to rely on that, and how to persist through uh, the things that seek to knock us down, the things that seek to distract us. God, help us to see that there's something far better than we can hope or imagine uh, beyond this life that, that, you, uh, that you sustain at work within us through your Holy Spirit and through what Jesus has done to redeem and reconcile us to you. God, we ask for your strength and your wisdom in all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.